Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. What a great time to be talking about faith. (laughs) Glory to God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 14. I love this. Hebrews 14. Glory to God. I tell you what, thank God we've been given the word of God on faith. And I'm going to say this. Every person in this church who is a regular in this church, if you've been coming here any length of time, you are equipped. You are equipped. You have the knowledge, the understanding, and you have sufficient faith in your heart to to ward off anything the enemy brings. There's not a person among us that that doesn't have enough faith. Now, somebody might question in their mind, well, you know, I've, I've... I've tried faith for this and I was believing God for that and yet I didn't get it. Well, there's reason. There are reasons for that. And it's not because you weren't able. It's not because your faith wasn't sufficient. And, and, and I don't want to, I'm not going to identify anybody because there's a lot of different reasons. But one reason people don't uh, prevail in faith is they're in disobedience in other areas of their life. Well, I knew that would go over about like, about like that. That's what I was expecting. And a lot of people are just lazy. I talked about that recently. People just, a lot of people just have lazy faith. They start out in faith and, and they're going to, man, they're going to take their stand of faith as long as it comes to pass in about six hours. And if they go beyond that. They start wavering. Listen, faith is something you live by. Amen. And what a perfect time. You know, I talked this morning that, uh, or I talked, uh, not taught, I talked this morning about the fact that most people that come down with a, with a coronavirus uh, are, are, are infected by it, they're, they're not going to have a bad uh, outcome physically. That's no reason to say, well, I'm off the hook. You know, I can just live my life and it's not going to be that bad. I can I'm have bad cold, you know, I can have another one. No, this is a time to use your faith. Amen. For us as a congregation to go through this, I mean, soaring. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Did you find Hebrews chapter four? Did I tell you where to go? What did I say? Oh, it's... (laughs) Have you found it yet? If you find it, throw that Bible out. Chapter 4, verse 14. <laughs> Is that what you were laughing at a while ago? I looked down here and I saw 14, but it's 4.14. Hebrews 4. Amen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Anybody know who that is? Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. Now, the confession of faith and the importance of our confession has kind of 
fallen by the wayside where a lot of people are concerned who used to, to understand the confession of faith. And part of the reason for that is that people be, became legalistic and religious over it. And everybody was watching what everybody was saying and, and so forth. And that's, the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, endorse that or, or, or uh, uh, lead us into anything like that. And so people kind of backed off from the, from the truth of confession. But the confession of faith is a vital doctrine and a vital practice. Amen. Amen. We know that most people, when they think of confession, religious people, most church people of all denominations, when you use the word confession, when you talk about the importance of confession, most Christians, Christians think of the confession of sin because that's the primary way the word is used. And, and the Bible speaks of the confession of sin, but that's only a part of the truth of confession. Uh, we know this, that there are four different kinds of confession in the, in, listed in the New Testament or identified in the New Testament. And the first one doesn't even apply to Christians today. That was when uh, John the Baptist, you know, went down to the, to the Jordan River and it says that all, and this is in Matthew and Mark, Luke, that uh, all of Jerusalem and Judea and the areas around the, the Jordan, the Jews, in other words, they came to John and were baptized in the river. He preached the baptism of repentance and they came and were baptized by him confessing their sins. Well, that was something that applied to the Jews. We don't live, even though that's in the New Testament, that was before Jesus even began his ministry and certainly before he ever went to the cross. So that really doesn't apply to us today. That was, that was a confession of the Jews, their sins under the old covenant. So that one doesn't even apply. So there are three other kinds of, of confession that are taught for the New Testament church. And the first one is the confession of faith in Christ. Hold your, well, we'll come back here, but go ahead and turn with me over to uh, uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice this isn't a confession of sin. This is a, a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in, so that's something you say with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice, Chris, people aren't saved by confessing their sins. The Bible teaches confessing your sins after you're saved. I'll show you that next. But notice, he doesn't say, if you confess your sins and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. He said, if you believe in your heart and with your mouth confess Jesus as Lord, so that's the positive side of confession. Then we talked, we, we've already read the scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 4, 14, that there is a confession of faith. Hold fast to our confession. Well, that's a confession of faith. And that we'll get into more of that in a minute. But the, 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 the negative part of confession that applies to Christians is found in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John 1. 
And that, of course, is in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this confession is not for sinners. This is not how sinners get saved. They don't get saved by confessing their sins because if you had to confess your sins to get saved, how could you remember all your sins? What if you slipped up and forgot one? Then you wouldn't be saved. No, you're, that's, why, that's why confession of sins won't get you saved. It's the confession of Jesus as Lord. When you confess and declare that he is the Lord of your life, believing that God raised him from the dead, the power of God moves on you and you become born again. You are saved. But then after you're saved, then if you sin, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This epistle was not written to unsaved people. I'll say that again. This epistle was not written to the unsaved. No portion of it was written to the unsaved. Not one chapter, nothing in this, in this epistle was written to the unsaved. It was written to Christians. It was written to the church. It was written to people who were already saved. Because notice what it says in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He said, my little children. Well, that couldn't be talking about unsaved people. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Now notice this. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation, that simply means the satisfaction, for our sins, now notice, for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you can see here that this is not written to the world. This is written to the church. Jesus is the satisfaction for the sins of everybody. But he identified that he was talking to us who are born again. And he said he's also the, the satisfaction for the sins for the whole world. So you can see that this was written to the Christians. So there is confession of sins whenever you miss it. But that's, that's one of three. The other two, the confession of the Lordship of Jesus and the confession of faith, those are both positive confessions. And if you go through the epistles, if you go through the epistles, you will find out that the New Testament written to the church has more to say about the positive side, the confession of faith, than it does the negative side. Doesn't mean the negative side is not important because it's right here in 1 John. It's sort of like, I, I, I illustrate it like this, it's sort of like a battery, in your car, you know, if most automobiles today are, are negative grounded and, you know, you need the negative side of the battery for it to work, but the power is on the positive side. Well, the same thing is true where Christian confession is, is concerned. When you need it, you need the negative side, but the power is on the positive side, the confession of faith. Amen. The word confession and people in previous uh, uh, centuries knew this. In fact, Christianity was once called the great confession. And it got that, it got that terminology from in Matthew chapter 16 where, where Jesus said, who do, who do men say that I am? Remember, he's talking to his disciples. And they said, well, one say you're a Jeremiah and one says you're Elijah and you know, so forth. He said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ 
the son of the living God. That was his confession of Christ. And Christianity, based on that, 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 uh, that scripture and what, Pe- and what Peter said, Christianity was, came to be known as the great confession. And it was a positive confession. Amen? Now, now the word uh, confession uh, means... Now, now, if you take the word and break it down in the original Greek, it's homo legeo. And homo means same, and lego means to speak. So it means to speak or say the same thing. But it was actually used, and that, that's, the, that's the breakdown of the word, but in actual usage in the Greek language... This Greek word meant to admit, it meant to agree with, and it meant to declare. In fact, if you go and look at Webster's Dictionary about confession, it gives two two definitions. It says to admit a fault or a crime, and number two, to declare one's faith in. So that's what confession means. And when you need it, you admit to sin. You say the same thing that your heart's telling you and you say, yes, I miss it. And, and, and in First John, uh, he was writing there, he said, if you say that you don't have sin, then you're calling God a liar because he, to, he knows you do. And the truth isn't in you. Isn't that right? Uh, that is whenever you're in sin. But, but once you confess your sins, you're not supposed to hold fast to that. Because once you confess, he said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And we know from other scriptures that when he forgives us, he forgets. He said, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. Well, if God forgives you and forgets about it and completely cleanses you, why would you bring it up again? So you're not to hold fast to a confession of sin. You're to make your confession of sin when you need to. And then you're to confess your cleansing, your forgiveness, and your restoration. Amen. And then maintain your your confession. Go back over to to Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Go back to, uh, that's in chapter four. Go back to chapter, uh, glory to God. I think it's chapter two. I'm trying to put my eyes on it. Glory to God. Or he's the apostle of our confession. Was that chapter three? Yeah, that's in chapter three. Look at chapter three. Verse one, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Consider, brethren, the apostle and high priest of our confession. See, when we make confessions that are in line with the word, not confessions of sin, but confessions of, of, of God's promise and of what he says. That's what Paul was talking about in the fourth chapter. He said, let us hold fast our confession. Yeah. Now, in, in chapter 10, in chapter 10, it says, uh, therefore, in verse 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. 
boldness to enter. We don't, we don't come before the presence of God with, with you know, our, our head down and, 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 and all guilty conscience. Listen, if you, if you live uh, with, a, with a constant confession of sin, it will, it will uh, inspire in you a, a sin consciousness. And it will rob you of your victory. But when you begin to immediately confess your cleansing, your forgiveness, your restoration, your righteousness in Christ, what belongs to you, it will wash that sin consciousness out of you and you will develop a righteousness consciousness and an access consciousness and a boldness. Therefore, brethren, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And the original Greek in many manuscripts says the confession of our faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Oh, glory to God. I tell you, the confession of our faith is very important. Confession is affirming something that you believe. It's testifying to something you know, and it's witnessing to a truth you have embraced. So biblical confession is a vocal declaration of what you believe in your heart. In other words, your your confession is a proclamation of what you know to be true. Your confession states what you believe. Your confession declares what you know. And it's, a, and it's a proclamation of the truths you've embraced. And it's important that it comes out of your mouth. Amen. Our confession is our faith speaking. Our confession is our faith speaking. And our faith must have vocal expression. You cannot be silent in faith. I said you cannot be silent in faith. Faith requires speaking. Go back over to to Romans 10 again. Let's look at that. And you'll see exactly how this plays out. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse, we we read verse number 9, but go back up to verse number 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Notice the word of faith has to be in your mouth as well as in your heart. So how does that apply to these days? These days in which we're living, we're constantly saying, no evil thing will befall me. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 in my right hand won't trouble me because it's not going to come on me. It won't befall me. See, what are you doing? You're, you're putting your words out in agreement with what you believe in your heart. And you see, the enemy will, will constantly try to, to put, plant thoughts in your mind and plant fears in your mind and give you scenarios of, of bad things happening. And every time that happens, you make sure you put your confession out there that, no devil, this is what I believe in my heart. This, I believe what God says. See, it's not just enough about what God says. It has to be what you say. 
Faith is not just faith in what God says. Faith is faith in what we say in line with the word. We have to come to a place where we have faith in our own words. I can prove that from Mark chapter 11. Go over there. Mark chapter 11. Verse 22 says, have faith in God. Now notice this is faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, verse 23 says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things God says will be done. Is that what that says? Listen, we have faith in what God says. Don't misunderstand. But this verse is not talking about faith in what God says. This is talking about faith in what you say. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Develop, work on developing a robust, steadfast faith in your own words. That when you declare the word of God, see, see your words are, are, are powerful if they line up with God's words. But once you find God's word on something, something that belongs to you, you believe that in your heart. You say, Father God, I believe that. I believe I receive that. That's mine. I'm taking that. Glory to God. And then you begin to say with your mouth what that verse or that scripture says about you. Strongly convinced. And you believe in your heart that the things you say will come to pass. We, we were talking in before Tony Cook was here last week, the weeks before that, a couple of weeks, we were talking about the importance of calling those things which be not as though they were. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about the confession of faith reaches out beyond what it sees with its natural eyes and the confession of faith calls those things. What are you doing? You're saying the word of faith is in your mouth as well as in your heart. Go back to Hebrews 10. What does it say? Verse eight, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Now I'm gonna say it again. The word has to be in your mouth and you have to believe what you say comes to pass. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I like one translation and uh, it's the Phillips translation. It says, that latter part of that verse says, and it is stating his belief by his own mouth, listen, that confirms his salvation. Faith pivots on two hinges. If you, have a, if you have a cabinet in your bathroom or in your kitchen, the door no doubt has two hinges. And you know, if you take one of those hinges off, that door is not gonna work right. You'll go grab that door and it'll go sideways and, and probably tear off the, the other hinge. Both hinges are needed for that door to swing and to work properly. Or for faith to work properly, speaking and believing 
the confession of faith and believing in your heart. You have to have both of those things working simultaneously. That's how faith works. In, in fact, look how it works for the unsaved. In, in, this, in this passage, this is really remarkable. This is how someone gets saved. If you believe with your, or if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with, he, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, like Philip says, confirming his salvation. So is a person saved if they only believe in their heart? No. Too often uh, people have gotten the wrong impression. A lot of times Christians go out witnessing to people and they say, now if you just believe, do you believe Jesus you know, was raised from the dead? Yeah, I believe that. Well, then you're safe. Well, not according to this scripture. I said, not according to this scripture. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, because with, with your heart, you believe unto salvation. You believe right up to it. And then with your mouth, Confession is made confirming it. Confession is what closes the deal. Now think about this. If it takes believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth to be saved, then think about the predicament the unsaved man is in. Because you preach the gospel to him. You go to someone and you share the gospel and and he says, yeah, I, 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 I see that. I, I want to be saved. Well, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe God uh, that, that he was the son of God and that he went to the cross, that he shed his blood and died and God raised him from the dead? Yeah, I believe that. Well, then the next thing for him to do in order to be saved is confess that Jesus is his Lord. Now listen, he has to confess it when it's not even true. Jesus isn't his Lord yet. All he did was believe. Jesus is not his Lord. If we freeze the frame right here, he believed in his heart. Yes, I believe Jesus, I believe he died for me. If he believes that in his heart, he's, on, he's not saved yet. And yet he's instructed to confess that Jesus is his Lord and he's not his Lord yet. What is he doing? He's calling those things which be not as though they were. You see, when he confesses what he believes, even before there's any reality of it, when he says it, that's what causes it to come to pass. Well, that's what causes our victory to come to pass. That's what causes the promises of God in our life to come to pass. They may not be reality in the natural realm. There might not be any evidence of it in the natural realm. But you believe what the scripture says. And when you believe it, then you start saying, well, I don't feel like it. I don't see any evidence of it. I, you know, I, I have this fear. I have this trouble. I have this need. I have this problem. I, and, and it's all encompassing and I see no way out. Well, do you believe what the Bible says? If you believe it, start saying what you believe even before you see any evidence of it. And According to the scripture, that's what confirms it. If it works for your salvation, it'll work for your healing. 
If it'll work for your salvation, it'll work for your prosperity, your provision, your supply. If it'll work for salvation, it'll work for your peace. It'll work for your confidence. It'll work in every arena of life. It'll work at home. It'll work on the job. It'll work at, uh, it'll work at school. It'll work in the marketplace. It'll work everywhere you go because this is the, this is the cardinal law of faith. With the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made confirming it. It's, that's the cardinal law of faith. That's how it works. That's why Jesus said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be plucked up and, 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 and be cast into the sea. Another place he said, if you say to this, to, to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and be cast into the sea. He said, if you believe it, it will obey you. Another place he said, it will move. It will move. But you see, not until you say it. You believe it, but you say it. Glory to God. And the thing about the confession of faith, it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle of speaking the word because the enemy never stops speaking. He never stops speaking. And you know what? I really don't care. But... Before these, before these things really get established in your life, you, you, you'll, be, you'll be alarmed by things the devil says and his accusations and his fear and his, and his thoughts of doubt and doom and gloom and, and, and all of these things. You'll be troubled by those things. Well, you know, am I in doubt? Am I? No, not if you believe what the Bible says. Somebody was telling me the other day, they just got the revelation that they were listening to one of Brother Hagin's messages and, and, they, and this person met me out in the lobby. He said, I was listening to Brother Hagin on YouTube the other day and he said that you can have faith in your heart with doubt in your mind. I said, well, you, I didn't say this, I should have. But I thought to myself, if you'd come to church more, you'd know that here. I've said that like a zillion times. He said, I, I never heard that before. I can... If I have faith in my heart, it won't even matter if I've got doubt coming through my eyes. I said, absolutely not. The devil can put thoughts in your mind. But when you're constantly reminding yourself, speaking the word of God, the thoughts that the devil brings is just like some little, little bird on a fence, just chirping. It's like, so what? It's irrelevant. It is. Glory to God. Let him say what he wants to say. Because I'm going to say what this says. I'm going to say that by his stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. I'm not trying to get healed. I am healed. And I'm not, I, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That means resist sickness and disease. It means don't allow it. Resist it. The Bible says in, in 1 John, he who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. He can say whatever he wants to. He can dance around me. You know, and strutting his stuff. I know what the word says. <laughs> I've, I've had some of the most alarming symptoms and thoughts from the enemy. And I just started laughing out loud. <laughs> I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. I laugh at you, devil. I laugh at you. Sometimes it didn't feel like laughing. 
but I knew it was true and I knew it was critical that I laughed. It was critical that I kept saying the same thing. Glory to God. That's how faith works. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that ought to do for tonight. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the word of faith. This word is near us. It's not far away someplace. It's right here on the inside of us, in our heart and in our mouth. And we will speak it and declare it and enjoy the benefits of it. Enjoy the reality of it. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We're not getting sick. We're not even going to be concerned about getting sick. Glory to God because we have your covenant of healing. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We thank you, Lord, that we're covered by the blood. We plead. We assert the blood of Jesus. We declare the blood of Jesus. We declare our faith in God. We declare our rights and privileges as sons and daughters of God, children of God. Oh, glory to God. We thank you, Father, that your angels in company around about us to deliver us in all of our ways, to keep, guard, and protect, defend us in all of our ways. We walk around in a bubble of protection, a shield around us everywhere we go. Glory to God, because we're not ordinary people. We're supernatural people. We're not of this world. Glory to God. We're a chosen generation, a holy nation, of God's own special people, your own special ones. Glory to God. And we thank you, Father, that you take care of your own. Glory, 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 glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.